0: It's January 7th, 2022, and this is Talk Commerce. Imagine 10 years ago, you're standing in your kitchen and you say, Alexa, order more dried lima beans. Now you may be talking to your wife or your daughter, but hey, who eats lima beans? And who would order them? Who would have imagined that today you just have to call out to your smart device to order something new? On this episode, Brent and Dick overview where the future of commerce is going, and it's V, but not virtual. That's V for voice commerce. Will Siri get a commission on every dollar that Siri sells? join us for a great episode and a great conversation around marketing and where the marketing is going in the future. The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by e E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Otter. Swift Otter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can Quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at SwiftDotter.com. And now, your free joke. I'm writing a book about tornadoes. It's only a draft at the moment. (laughs) My name is Brent Peterson and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, talk commerce. All right, welcome to our show today. I have Dick Pinnick, who is uh, his... Dick, go ahead and introduce yourself. I think I got your name right. I'm really good at butchering names. Introduce yourself, tell us what you do, and uh, maybe one of your passions in life.
1: Yeah. So hey, everybody, my name is Dick Polipnik. So it was very close. I've heard pumpernickel before. So, uh, it, it, as long as you didn't call me after a, a bread, we're good to go. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, my name is Dick Polipnik. I'm the founder and CEO of online growth systems. Um, and a hobby that I really like to do or something kind of funky outside of business, is, uh, I compete competitively in parkour and, uh, most people, the most, the most they know about parkour is just that episode from the office where they're jumping on desks and, and yelling parkour and they're just, you know, trying to do little handstands and stuff. But in reality, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of dangerous. And I actually had an injury a couple years ago, but, uh, uh, other than that, it's, it's really fun. It's a good way to get a workout and look like you're training to be Batman or a ninja at the same time. So it's uh, I enjoy that.
0: Yeah, I, I think you could probably get a little injury if you jumped off and ended up going out a window of a 35-story building or something like that. Um, right. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> wow. Ex- a little exciting. bit of an injury. <laughs> um, so um, uh, tell us, uh, you know, where we – we're we're both uh, in entrepreneurs organization. Uh, we're both in the commerce space. Uh, where do you think the future mm-hmm. of commerce is going right now?
1: Awesome question. I am going to put on my um, science fiction hat for a little bit to talk about where I think it's going long term, but then I am going to put on my developer hat because I, I went to school for software development, so I am an engineer by trade, um, in addition to the marketer by career. Right, so. In the short term, uh, uh, the next iteration of commerce, you know how it's gone from like traditional commerce to e-commerce. Well, the next it's going to be v-commerce or voice commerce. So I'm going to put her on mute here so she doesn't respond to me, although I've got four of them in my house here. Um, I've got um, four different Alexa devices in my home and i've got an android phone my girlfriend's got an iphone so siri okay google alexa different voice commands you know or different ai you know, um, for different devices are going to be integrated with commerce google's going to integrate it with google shopping alexa is going to integrate it with amazon shopping siri is going to integrate it with um, i'm sure they're going to have some kind of a commission structure just like the app store has for their business model or itunes does right so they're going to get a commission on essentially you know, it's 30% on every dollar that um, gets sold through Siri, buying things for their customers, right? So, it's imagine like everybody's got that own personal assistant. You know, say, "Hey, um, it's so and so's. It's my um, it's my anniversary today, and I just forgot. Can you go run and get me some flowers, right? So, same thing is like, can you order it through your your phone? You prompt the voice. I uh, I need flowers. I want to. Here's my budget. And I need it here by 5 p.m. I need it delivered. They will sort the flowers, pick one out upon your description, you know, or give you a couple and then you can click on your screen. I yep, got that one looks good. And then it's going to place the order and they're going to have it delivered. So flowers.com will come and show up and deliver it. And the Siri on your iPhone is the per- entity that purchased those flowers for you. So I think voice commerce is going to be really, really big. And a lot of e commerce companies have already seen traction in those areas. So that's something that's not. Coming. It's here. It's here. And if you aren't on it yet, I um, highly recommend looking into it. You can optimize your current e-commerce site to be integrated with voice buyers, right? Voice assistants who are buying things for their customers. You can optimize your SEO so that way you're found when you're doing Q&A. So if you ask, you know, um, I keep afraid that I should have turned them all off for this interview. But, you know, hey, Alexa, you know, uh, where can I buy some great account okay, chocula bobblehead, because I put, bring this out every Halloween because it's fun, right? Um, she'll give you search results based on keywords on your website and SEO, right? So you can optimize your internal stuff. You can optimize the integration for purchasing to take place. Um, so that's something that's here already and going to continue to grow. Uh, we're, this is putting on the sci-fi hat a little bit more, is down the road, long term, I think virtual and augmented reality is going to be the future of commerce. You, Everybody likes the experience of walking into a store and maybe trying on the clothing, right? And then that, that was the biggest argument to the dot-coms is like, you know, people who wouldn't invest in Amazon said, it'll never take over the books category. There's something about going into a bookstore, feeling it, smelling it, you know, thumbing through the pages uh, that makes the book buying experience that much better. Well, we all know how that turned out, right? Same thing with clothing. You need to be able to try it on. Well, lots of people, they just memorize their sizes and they just trust it. and try it and they always can return it if it's not the right size so the same thing except it's going to be even more of a better experience because now you're getting the benefits of being in person you might not be able to smell right and touch but you can semi hold and maybe try on a sweater virtually and vr and ar to see what it looks like in your living room ikea is already doing this when you want to buy an ikea piece of furniture you can go onto their app and you can have an augmented reality, like, placed in your living room so you can see what it looks like with the rest of your furniture. That's augmented reality. That's taking a piece of something that's real and putting it – or something that's virtual and putting it in the real world. Virtual reality is, like, 100% virtual. That's, like, Ready Player One type stuff, if you've seen that movie or read that novel, where everything you're looking at is virtual. So you could walk through a Hollister store, you know, and pick out the, the your new swimsuit for the season, right? So that's where I think it's going to be long-term. It's not quite – Uh, it's not quite here yet for everyday e-commerce companies because without you integrating it with, let's say a video game or something like that, where you can have, you know, in game purchasing available, uh, it's, it's harder right now to get that rolled out for the everyday e-commerce brand. But like I just said, Ikea is doing augmented reality. You can do in game sponsorships, all kinds of stuff. So. That's my, you can tell I'm a little bit excited about the topic because that's my long winded answer to your question.
0: Yeah. You know, I was speaking to, like I said earlier, to a person in EO. They're in EO Berlin. And for our listeners, uh, EO is Entrepreneurs Organization. Um, And Mm -hmm. they were talking about how coaching and business coaching can be done virtually and that how much better it is if both are in an immersive environment. And even the, the idea that on a video call you get, you can get distracted, you know, I can, I can look up something mm-hmm. here if I want to, but, uh, I can also see if some, mm-hmm. somebody send me an email or a text, uh, it is much better to have those persons with you, uh, directly than than um, mm-hmm. it, it humanizes them. I think that was one of the words they used and it allows mm-hmm. them to, um, to more um, intimately be involved in the conversation, and uh, definitely, you know, even uh, we're an Adobe partner. Uh, the Adobe Sneaks in 2019 they that one of their one of their uh, highlights was that virtual furniture thing where they showed uh, they showed you putting tip furnitures in different types of environments, mm-hmm. and uh, that was two years ago. Now that we were we had in person events, and it was quite interesting to see how. All that is working out and how that is moving forward now in time and how so many mm-hmm. of the other, like you said, IKEA is, is taking advantage of that augmented reality. Virtual reality, I think, is, mm-hmm. is uh, the next thing coming from the voice reality or voice reality. Voice commerce.
1: Voice commerce. You know, I think the one yeah. thing
0: merchants do worry about is, is if they're using an Alexa. Alexa typically is going to look at the Amazon store first and then the rest of the list. So I think you mm-hmm. then... If you're going to do some kind of FBA Amazon, that's just another reason why you should have your products on multiple channels as well. Uh, because that voice mm-hmm. is probably going to look at uh, Amazon first, especially from Alexa. And then at the rest of the mm-hmm. list, that, that like you said, that is that it's coming up from SEO. Uh, maybe just talk a little bit about how merchants could best encode their pages for SEO if that is found in voice content what does is, what is Alexa look or yeah. Google look and is it common across those
1: yeah so I'll give you an example so the best way to optimize your website or your products or whatever it is that you're trying to optimize for SEO is to write it in a way that you would speak it so right now I'll give you an example if I already use Siri and I said hey Siri where can I buy the best, uh, uh, where can I buy shoes, right? When I ask it like that, you want to optimize your SEO for the way people would verbally ask it. So that means sometimes using slang, sometimes using incorrect grammar, sometimes you know, using run on or incomplete sentences either way. So you're making it not grammarly or, or you know, it's not perfect English but it's how people talk because that's the, you know, the voice assistants are going to take that audible snippet and they're going to turn it into text word for word. And then they're going to post, you know, they're going to search, they're going to crawl the web for that query. Just like Google would, when you type something in on Google, imagine them speaking it right into Google. And then that's what they're going to look for. So when you optimize your the verbiage of let's say the products or your, your SEO and your website, you want to make sure that it's ranking for keywords that people would speak and say in a sentence. And you wouldn't use like a ton of, uh, a lot of best practices right now are to optimize for like, you have like your geography, you have like your target customer, like you have a bunch of different KPIs and metrics and target customer type data in your SEO um, search results. or your SEO rankings because like you want to be, People who are in a company that's worth two million dollars that are in this geographical area who are looking for your products X, Y, Z are finding you. But that's nobody's going to say that. Nobody's going to verbally say that into their phone. Hey Siri, I'm a company that's two million in revenue and I've got ten employees and I need to find a, I need to find shoes. You know, they're not going to say that into the uh, into their device. So a lot of companies are too heavily invested into like the deep data type um, search ranking, which is good because then you can you know, score when people are typing that kind of stuff in and you're going to show up above competitors that are just doing broad surface level stuff. But you also want to make sure that you're ranking for keywords that um, are, are the written the way people talk. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Um, yeah. So I know that uh, Google has consistently changed what the, what they look for. You know, I think that mm-hmm. maybe the meta description isn't as important as it was in the past. Uh, Where is it um, that people should be putting this content on their pages?
1: Great question. Um, Blogs are still a really solid source for, I mean, a good way to test this is bring out your own phone. If you have an iPhone, ask Siri. If you've got uh, an Android, ask, okay, Google. And then test out and say, where can I find XYZ? And then say the name of the product that you're selling and then see which of your competitors are showing up. I like to do it's you know the copy paste method, right? So you see which of your competitors maybe you do show up, great job, right? And then just keep doing more of that. Figure out what you did, reverse engineer it, right? But then you reverse engineer what your competitors. Okay, my biggest competitor is showing up when I ask Siri to you know buy me shoes. You click on the link and you say, oh, they wrote a you know top three you know shoes to to buy today in like you start to reverse engineer why. Siri found that article and recommended you that as the resource. and But you might say, uh, so that's an example, I would say, field test it, do that. So it's going to be different for everybody, but field test that actual thing. Ask your device, look at the competitors that are showing up, reverse engineer what they did. That's probably the most tactical thing. Second thing is, Yeah, I already mentioned blogs are a great way to do it, writing articles about it, and then having that be a part of the process is, you know, it's not going to lead them to directly buying it, like I was saying before, but it's going to lead them to getting the results, the search results, they might click on it, then they can purchase it the old school way of clicking through your e-commerce site and buying it, right, if they're earlier in the process. The third way is a frequently asked questions page is extremely powerful for SEO, especially for voice search engine optimization, so VSEO. So that's really powerful. If you have a frequently asked questions piece of your website that the you know the voice assistants can then search through and like I said, make sure that you're writing it the way people would speak it audibly, right? So then you have question the way that they would ask it verbally, and then you have answer, and then I would also write that in a way that you would verbally respond to. So that way, when Siri responds, she'll just read your answer, and then you know of course they can always click the link to read more, and that'll lead to your your FAQ page. So those are those are probably three tactical things
0: yeah and I can I can say from experience uh 10 years ago I worked on um Midwest hydroponics which was a they're they're still around I think they're a local a local um shop that that uh does hydroponic supplies and we built an FAQ Mm -hmm. section for them and I think within six months they were outranking the manufacturers (laughs) on a lot of their products they were selling so they're they're just a distributor and they were actually their products are coming up ahead of some of the manufacturers of the products and you're right you know that that extra content that that attaches to those products is so important. Um, mm-hmm. I know that HubSpot has a has a concept called the pillar page and that you want to build your content mm-hmm. around that and blog posts are just one of those pieces of that puzzle mm-hmm. to build into that and then you know I think that you would you would probably say logically to that uh, to that merchant, if they are going to write that blog article, make sure you link to the product you'd like them to buy. So they don't just land on a blog page and then they read about it and then they go yeah. continue searching somewhere else for that product that they searched for initially.
1: Yeah. Oh uh, Yes. You want to have call to actions and everything for sure. That's how you're going to increase your conversion. Yeah.
0: How, how yeah. do you, what is your advice to a, to a, um, uh, to a merchant who has, built some of that content but then wants to make sure that they've tied it all together so they've built a bunch of blog articles and they maybe they have an FAQ section mm-hmm. but maybe they're not doing a really good job on 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 tying in the se or not the SEO the, the merch the buying piece to it what kind of tools would yeah. they look at and what what do you think they could be doing to make it better
1: yeah good question uh- <clears throat> So the there's the manual way to do it and then I'm going to give a tactical tool. So the manual way to do it is look at your website and identify how many links am I linking to on my on each page. You usually want to have 2 to 3 links to another one of your other website pages on each individual page and I'm not including the footer here. This is not including header and footer menus. This is internal Embedded on that page, you've got a button call to action. You've got some kind of a uh, embedded text, like a link, you know, that you can click on. Uh, things like that, and you want to always provide an opportunity for them to go two or three different directions. You either go further along the buying process, and they might, you know, you might link to the product that you're talking about as you're talking about them. You highlight them, right? You might want to go the other direction, backwards in the buying process, because they might have gotten there and they, they're starting to read, let's say, about aquaponics, right? And they go, oh, my God, I have no idea what this article is talking about. So then you provide them an option to, like, read more basic information like aquaponics. You know, if you haven't read our article, Aquaponics 101, yet, click here or download this resource, right? And you're providing call-to-actions either to other pages or to downloadable things where you can capture their lead information or build that rapport even further. And you're giving them different options to go, hey, if you're more – at the beginning of your buyer journey, go this way. If you're towards the end of your buyer journey, go this way. Purchase the product, right? Um, you know, if you if you've got a blog, something that works really well is seeing how many pages, pa- increasing your average page view per visit, right? So, an average time spent on page, right? So, a good way to do that is simply by integrating on your, like, let's say you're using Magento, WordPress, um, Shopify, whatever. You can integrate different features to add something like a uh, readers who read this article also liked dot 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 provide them one, two, three different articles that they could read thereafter. Um, Because a lot of people, everybody talks about going down the YouTube rabbit hole or the Google rabbit hole where you research a topic, you know, after hours and you're at home just kind of having fun or on your phone. And next thing you know, it's been two hours and you've got six tabs open and you've been, you know, just going in the rabbit hole of the internet. You want to be the rabbit hole that they go down. Make sure that all six of those tabs, ideally, are all six of your website. You know what I mean? So you want to continuously, you want them to have all six of those tabs open and they're all yours, you know, instead of a competitor or two competitors in Wikipedia. And, you know, as much as you can keep those tabs your own, the better chance you have of capturing that that initial inquiry, that lead, that, you know, blind or cold traffic and eventually turn it into um, a paying customer.
0: Yeah, and I know that you've yeah. uh, you've worked with Bulk Reef Supply in the past, they're a uh, saltwater, um, aquarium or saltwater supplies and aquarium and things like that. Uh, and they've done a mm-hmm. tremendous job on creating content, video content, uh, just about mm-hmm. every type mm-hmm. of content you can imagine. Uh, what What kind of advice do you give to, um, to other e-commerce companies in terms of doing best practices around that?
1: Yeah, uh, niche down to blow up. So I, I'm I'm trying to practice what we preach even internally in my own business. So we're going through a transformation, as you know, Brent, to niche down even further in our agency. But the reason Bulk Week Supply did so well, and and uh, obviously you know I don't I can't take credit for their success. They're doing they were successful before we started helping them, and they were successful after, right? But um, definitely happy to play a part in that journey towards you know them blowing up to the size that they did and getting acquired and. Having that great path, right? Uh, the thing that those guys did, and that a lot of other companies, whether it's us or that we work with, our customers, prospects, partners, uh, collaborators, one thing that we commonly see is someone like Ryan, one of the co-founders of Bulkry Supply, was an expert at one thing. That, you know, he was just a, a hobbyist at first, for he had his own, you know, aquarium, and he he eventually he came up with like his own like tank food. That was the first product, I believe. So he did some YouTube videos about how to <clears throat> feed your fish. You know, you don't want to overfeed them, underfeed them, etc. You know, and then it's just kind of grew from there. And essentially there was this whole YouTube channel and they've got a blog now and they've got email lists like crazy, you know, and they've got this whole community and they've got a Facebook group and they've got VIP and they've, you know, uh, they've got like Q and a live Q and a's with their, you know, audience on Facebook and YouTube. And it's just this amazing community of other reefers like other people who have you know reef tanks in their office or in their home or wherever and uh, they become an expert so that's going to help you rank on things like you know your blogs will rank on Google or they'll rank on voice your u- videos will rank on YouTube because you're really good at one thing they subscribe to you they follow you you build that snowball effect of getting momentum and getting subscribers to continuously watch your videos week after week. But if he was doing a video on fish, you know, saltwater fish tanks, one week, and then he was talking about um, business the next week, and then he was talking about you know maybe a motorcycle hobby he has on the side the third week, it's going to be hard to become that area that expert, build that channel that's known for that. People want to keep coming back to it. It's also going to hurt your search rankings because you know Google and YouTube and Facebook and Siri and all those assets don't know what to categorize you as because you talk about so many different things and. I love a Renaissance person at the end of the day, but if you want to get momentum, do take the Amazon playbook. You're, you know the listeners are probably in e-commerce. Why not take good ideas that Jeff Bezos has, whether you like them or not, and apply those same business pr- principles to get your success? I mean, you can't deny that they're successful, right? You'd be foolish to say that. So take their approach and say we're going to only sell books for now, and then we're going to build. You know, then we're going to do audio tapes, then we're going to do you know DVDs or whatever they did next. You know, jewelry. You know, they, they did one category. They became really, really good at it. They became known for it. Then they opened up a second category, then a third, then a fourth. And now today we know them as the everything store because they can. But start out like bulk Brief supply, you know, be experts at one thing, create content around that, build community around that content, um, uh, you know, post about that one piece and not every industry, not every e-commerce brand is going to be a hobby type of thing. It might be business to business. You might be selling, you know, equipment or something like that. And you can't really build a Facebook page of everybody who loves to talk about their brand new printer. You know what I mean? But you can build, let's say like an IT, if you're a vice president of IT or you're a director of IT, be part of this Facebook group because we're going to answer each other's questions. You know, you might sell printers, but create an ecosystem where, you know, your customers can congregate and and ask each other maybe non-questions like, Hey, I'm thinking about switching companies. Um, what's everybody getting for salary these days? And like, you want to facilitate those conversations. So that way, if, and when they're ready to buy something, they think of you first because they're Using your community and you're facilitating those kind of conversations on a daily basis for them. Yeah, I think you. I can't remember your original question. <laughs> no, is that? No,
0: it? I think you hit it there. <laughs> I think you know one of the things that you brought out there was around the this, the idea of community and how so many people look at communities to get their answers, uh, but they don't. Uh, merchants t- don't always look at being the leader in their community to give those answers. So, you know, if I were mm-hmm. to look for a parkour. Community, you might be in it. We could talk Mm -hmm. about it and give answers. I think Mm -hmm. one thing that Bulk Reef Supply has done well is to build that community and then be active in it. You can't, you can't just as as a merchant or as an entrepreneur, if you want to get involved in the community, you can't sort of put it on. You can't put out some kind of initial little thing and then put it on autopilot. You have to remain involved in that community. And uh, what Bulk Mm -hmm. Reef Supply has done very well is get down and. Get really down into that community by participating in it mm-hmm. from the ground level up, or for, let's say from the yes. from the coral reef up in in their case, or the the, um, the fill <laughs> on their tank up. Uh, that they've done a really great job in making sure that they are, that they are engaged in that community. Uh, and there's other mm-hmm. there's other companies in, in the same you know, different industries but are selling things that are building these communities that are keeping people involved. Mm-hmm. And th- those people are then going back to that website to get more answers. And I think like what you said yep. about voice and about video, that's a great way to push forward those answers and that that content gives them great ideas to look at. Oh yeah, I'd like to buy that thing, whatever that thing is. And um, mm-hmm. suddenly you've, you've driven some commerce through your through your video content. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, so, you know, Bulk Reef, I think you helped them with some of their HubSpot. Maybe talk a little bit about their buyer journey, some of their automations Mm -hmm. that they have and how other merchants could be helping to automate some of those things that are happening when clients come to their store.
1: Yeah, so I kind of have to keep it surface level for non-disclosure reasons, but I can dive into, the tips and tricks we use to kind of get them the results that they were looking for and that, you know, kind of fed into their success to them getting acquired a year later, right? So, uh, one thing that e-commerce companies could do more of is think like a SaaS company. And SaaS stands for software as a service. So, those are those software, you know, companies that you have a subscription with, you know, whether it's Netflix charging you, you know, $7 a month, or if it's, uh, you know, Shopify charging you $34 a month, right? So those ongoing monthly subscription softwares that you're paying for, those are called SaaS companies. And, you know, one thing that you can do is you don't always have to look at your industry, kind of look at parallel industries and say, let's what ideas can we pull from that that are really working well for that industry that we can roll out and also achieve similar success? So that's kind of what we did with some of their uh What HubSpot calls workflows. So for those who aren't who are listening who aren't familiar with HubSpot, it's essentially it's a a CRM or a a custom or customer relationship management software that also has like marketing automation, sales automation, and customer support software features built into it. So there's really it's like four different products and four different softwares, and you can just pick and choose which ones you want to buy. So they don't charge you a million dollars to use the whole shebang because. unless you're a huge enterprise company, you don't need all that stuff. So they only charge you for which of their products you're using, and they only charge you for the volume of what you're using it. So it's a really great pricing model But um, for those that are listening that are still growing and want to check it out. But uh, we looked at some of the stuff that they were doing and said, how could we leverage all of the content that they're already creating to help them drive more sales through... Other channels. So, you know, right, now, right now, YouTube is exclusively marketing to you, other people who are consuming YouTube. But if you're if you're not a YouTube consumer, if like, let's say you just watch TikTok or you just, you know, re, like Google is your your one source of truth and you just Google things, um, you're not going to get as many YouTube videos. You're going to get blog search results, right? Um, if you're a Twitter user, you know, you want to and you never go on YouTube, like you want to leverage the content in other mediums. So one thing we did is. Uh, they have a great job of of making sure that they nurture those communities and capture those leads. So they had a pretty decent sized email list that we could work with. So some of these tactics can only work if you've got an ecosystem, or a, uh, a email list already established. You know, so of course we separated it into you know these people have bought from them before. These have uh, you know they've actually conducted a transaction, right? So those are you know existing customers, and then we've got the pile of emails that you know, of people who have never purchased from them. They've just, you know, downloaded an ebook or they've watched a video and filled out a form or did some kind of, you know, uh, tank, as, you know, how much would it cost them to build my dream tank calculator thing, right? And however it is that we got their email address, we, you know, separate that because we want to have different communication, different messaging for each group. And without getting too far into the weeds, some of the things that we did was um, we looked at their data and said, a lot of customers who purchased let's say like this particular tank um it makes a lot of sense that they're going to ev- they're going to need to upgrade their filter because the filter that they were previously using is likely going to be too small for this bigger tank that they've purchased right so kind of following your customer journey and saying okay 5 years ago this customer bought this small you know 1 cubic foot you know i'm making numbers up i have no idea that's probably way too big I think, I, you know, uh, whatever, they've got, like, a one-by-one tank, and then you find out five years later, you can see the data, oh, they upgraded to a five-by-five tank, so they, you know, five-axed the size of the saltwater tank, the reef that they're going to, you know, nurture. Well, it would make a lot of sense for you to run a campaign on them to say, hey, you are dealing with a lot more water, a lot more nutrients, a lot more bacteria. You're going to want um, a bigger filter to go with your bigger tank. Right? So we were looking at – that's like a really um, high-level example of some of the stuff that we did for cross-selling them. So we would cross-sell, and then we would also upsell. So even in that same example, um, if we saw them, let's say, add uh, – if, if we saw that they had purchased a one-by-one tank five years ago, we would reprompt them and say, hey, uh, your tank might be getting old. Uh, you can either upgrade to – or, or you can either purchase a new one, make sure you know, you've got the best of the best – Uh, it's, it's shiny or whatever, you know, it glows in the dark this time, right? So you can kind of add some features, but you can also upsell them. Why don't you buy the five by five or the 10 by 10 or whatever, and, um, upsell those customers because you want to look at the lifetime value the LTV of a customer and say like, how can we upsell and cross sell other products that we own and, um, it get the most value for a customer because you spend so much money trying to get that lead in the door and you're spending all that money on SEO and all that money on making that YouTube video and you spend your left arm trying to get them to the site for their first transaction. Why wouldn't you spend a couple more pennies on top of that to make sure you're getting them to buy a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth time and create that long-term lifetime value. It's going to increase your marketing dollars, your ROI, your, your return on investments. Your It's going to increase the valuation of your company if you ever want to exit someday. Uh, it's just a no-brainer. And every dollar that you spend is going to yield a higher return back. So you know whether it's paid advertising or SEO that you're getting those first transactions from, it's an, it's 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 a mistake to not optimize your marketing and your sales automation on the back end. So that way your HubSpot can run all these crazy billion dollar algorithms that you don't have to develop because HubSpot's done it for you and you just pay them, you know, a thousand bucks a month or whatever to leverage their billion dollar algorithm, right? And it sifts through all your data and says, okay, um, we think that your customers who bought this tank will also buy this filter. And then you as a, as an entrepreneur or a marketing you know agency can write email campaigns and create drip campaigns and if then you know split testing you name it to try to increase that return on investment and, and get those upsells and cross sells. So that's a that's what we did for them. That's what we've done we do that for a lot of companies. Uh, and that's the easiest way if you're a company who's needing to increase the lifetime value. There's a lot of companies who have a loss leader. Their first transaction they might break even or even lose money on because they're banking on them being a repeat customer, right? They want you to buy a second, third, fourth time because that money is all gravy after that. That's where their profit comes, so.
0: Yeah, and go. I think the idea that uh, um, in the past, uh, loss leaders would be something somebody would physically sell. They'd advertise it in the newspaper. Somebody'd show up your door, they'd yeah. buy it, and hopefully they'd come into the store and buy something else. That was a physical world. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're, we've moved into the online world where we're trying to get people to do the exact same thing, and I think a lot of smaller mm-hmm. business owners forget that if they have a tool like Magento or Big Commerce or Shopify, a lot of those things are built in. Especially even looking at what what are they doing with. Um, uh, with their shopping cart and their abandonment is, is the client, did the yep. client go into the cart? Did they abandon it? Making sure you understand that journey from the point of they enter to the point that mm-hmm. they leave. And if they've left before the cart or they've left in the cart, or you can see people that haven't registered and they're in the cart, that's mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. important to understand getting them to sign up for a newsletter, getting just so you start knowing, their cookie, yeah. and knowing then what their behavior is over time, then learning how mm-hmm. can you um, you can use tools like um, um, well, there's lots of tools you can use to determine where they're going and where they're exiting. Google mm-hmm. Analytics is a great tool to start with. Uh, Hotjar or something like that would help you to understand where they're yep. clicking. So there's so many things that merchants could be doing, no matter how big they are, to help their cl- to help them sell more of their own products and you're exactly right that the um mm-hmm. the end caps on a in a big big box store are the things that they put because they know that somebody's going to grab that package of mm-hmm. old dutch chips because hey, I didn't mm-hmm. really need them but they're right there in front of me and I'm hungry right now I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, some tips for if if you're a younger, newer entrepreneur, maybe you don't you're not super familiar with with getting into some of these online things. What 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 tips do you have for increasing their revenue
1: for the younger companies? Yeah, for
0: any any new entrepreneur mm-hmm. that's getting online,
1: yeah, <clears throat> I would say what. What makes you different than your competitors? Unless you're inventing a new category, which in and of itself has its own set of problems of, you know, are you gonna have to educate the customer on your product? We we had an e-commerce um, client, uh, uh, My Favorite Barber, um, the website's shopmyfavoritebarber.com barber com. They created a brand new product product category. It was a new there's a young entrepreneur, I mean serial entrepreneur he owned, you know, three barber shops. Um, but through owning those barbershops, he created, uh, a imagine like beard, like, like how you like color your hair. You can color your beard different shades um, using a certain like um, air tool technology. So brand new category, like I'm talking, working on a patent kind of a thing, right? And there was a learning curve customers weren't searching for it on google they weren't asking siri hey where's the next where can i find some airbrush you know um beard coloring ointment you know they weren't searching for that because it hadn't existed yet right it wasn't a thing yet so there was a completely different marketing approach to get the product in front of those customers than you and get those leads the first time then you would you know competing for like we were using earlier shoes or um tanking equipment or whatever, something that's already existing, right? So completely different approach. Um, What you would do in that kind of a scenario is is you'd want to create some kind of a video that's really short, ideally less than a minute long, something that you can put on social channels. You know, you can go and you can, it's it's like an elevator pitch for a business model, but imagine it's, it's, we call it the Instagram pitch. So just how you've got a 30 seconds, you know, in an elevator to pitch to an investor, you've got less than that maybe 10 seconds on instagram feed to capture the attention of the person who's scrolling through instagram for them to stop scrolling you know maybe click it to enable the sound so make sure you have subtitles on until then right that's another little tactical thing and then they they watch this video like they did for shop my favorite barber and they go oh my god this this product is awesome i as a barber need to start selling this this is a new revenue source for me i could sell hey i can you know Uh, trim your beard, but I can also change the color if you want, and there's no more revenue opportunity cross-sells and upsells for them, right? So we kind of, you know, created that, grabbed their attention, right? Taught them about the product, showed them the features, but then you also say like, here's what it looks like as a barber to use this product. Like, you're going to make more money, it's going to look great, smells great. Um, Here's, you know, and and we've actually got it like really, really cheap right now, right? Like, you can buy this, this bottle can last you a hundred customers. Like, you'll place two orders a year, right, if you're a regular barber. So it, it'll last you a long time. Minimal investment, right? But the market industry is pretty big, right? So that's kind of the, the, how that we approached that problem with that customer, and, and it worked really well. There, that video I actually was mentioning was a real video that we used for them, and, and won a communicator award, actually, um, earlier this year. So that's how I would approach it. Uh, if you were a newer entrepreneur, maybe in a new category, a new product, um, Come at it from the education perspective and keep in mind that you need to capture attention quickly and communicate the value that they're going to get and give them that call to action, like Brent was saying, where they want to buy it. If you're not doing a new product, um, I would ask you that question of, like, what makes you different? Like, what makes you special? Um, are you going to be uh, – there's there's some, some clothing companies right now, and you can't get more commoditized than clothes, right? Like – clothes have been around for 10,000 years, right? Like it's not nothing new, right? You can invent new types of clothing, like maybe a blazer didn't exist, um, you know, 500 years ago, but you're getting into probably a saturated market with what people call a red ocean, lots of competition. So what's going to be your unique spin? Is it the brand? Is it the fact that you're going to have influencer marketing? You're going to partner with some influencers that you know and say, hey, we've got this brand new hoodie that we're coming out with but we want to make it like your logo your merch like it's your like you're one of the faces of the business and you know i've seen some companies that have taken off because the entrepreneur had a failing clothing line and said you know approached a, a legit a real successful with you know customers will buy from them so that's important don't go into business with somebody who's you know for sure isn't gonna pull their weight right even if they have a million followers on instagram 900,000 of them could be fake, right? They could be bots, right? So make sure you do diligence. But, you know, and then they, they created a partnership with some influencers and, you know, co-branded like that. And the brands took off, right? So I would ask yourself what you're doing. You're different. How are you going to stand out? How are you going to get their attention? And how can you create a marketing model where you can put in a dollar and then get dollar fifty back? that's the key to like building a scalable business that's not like a side hobby is you want to have like a machine that you put in a dollar you get a dollar fifty back or you get two dollars back and then you try to make it get three dollars back right you continuously how to improve your return on investment and increase your margin um, that's what I would ask myself is is how are you different and how can you communicate that in the most affordable way
0: that's good yeah very good as um, as a, as a uh, entrepreneur in Minnesota I would I would definitely say to look up entrepreneurs organization Uh, for which we are both in. Uh, And it's not so much just, um, well, it's not not at all about getting advice from anybody. It's more about learning what others are doing in their experiences in whatever they're doing in business. Uh, And um, you can learn a lot from what somebody else has done in business, in a different business that you can apply to your Mm -hmm. own business. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and ha- those, those things that you wouldn't necessarily either know where to go to ask those questions, or you may not know that the person who's going to t- give you the answer is going to give you the real answer. Cause they may feel as though you have some other kind of motive behind that, uh, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. organization gives you an opportunity to talk to, uh, other, other entrepreneurs in a, um, Confidential setting, or or a setting where you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about them. Uh, I guess I wouldn't say go in and tell them your your um, your patent on 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 your your beard coloring. And by the way, mine was <laughs> uh, I was just going to go to Home Depot and buy a can of black Rust Oleum and then spray that on my face <laughs> and on my head. You're here to go. Because uh, I actually I don't even know what a barber is, uh, but. You know, there, and and in that case, maybe somebody would say, um, "I don't think the smell is going to be very good." You should use a different brand of paint. But I, I digress now on on that part. But I think that there's so many opportunities for for <laughs> there's there's so many opportunities for small business owners to get knowledge and and to learn about what what's out there mm-hmm. and what they could be doing to increase their revenue. And right now is is the best time to be in e-commerce because you have the same tools that the big companies have. You are on more of a even even playing field that that than any other time. Maybe you don't have the market size as as Amazon, but you have the opportunity to list your products on Amazon and utilize their network to. Products and there's companies that that have a hundred percent of their products on Amazon, and I think one thing you said earlier as well is making sure that you that you have a brand that if it's something you're developing or something new that you want to have mm-hmm. a brand on Amazon and that makes you unique. So the what asking what the what and the why are I mean I think you've said it very well that those are those are the places where you should you should start uh, and should start asking those questions. And then I think just mm-hmm. to kind of come 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 around, to test those things. Uh, I think testing those journeys and seeing how well people do within that journey, and having those tools to see where they're going. Um, I know you mentioned HubSpot earlier. If you put your little, if you get HubSpot, and you don't have to spend a thousand a month, you could. They have a. Yeah. it's not much less but it is less <laughs> uh, you can put a cookie uh, you can put a tracking pixel on your website that'll tell you where where the users are going and once they've registered now you can start uh, you can start building a profile for that user and then as you said very nicely earlier to make sure that they are getting the relevant information for that buyer and that you are Pushing them or suggesting to them products that will increase their um, lifetime value.
1: Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I've, I've, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I've got one little nugget that we could go into too. Yeah. Uh, one other tactical tip that we've seen some of our clients do, and. Um, I'm sure you've seen all over the news that a lot of e-commerce companies should consider, not all of them should do this, but all of them should consider doing this, is how can you, like I said earlier, take something from the SaaS world and learn from that and apply it? And I'm talking about subscriptions. So everybody's familiar with um, Dollar Shave Club, right? So those guys had a you know over a billion-dollar valuation. I can't remember if they were sold or not, but uh, some entrepreneurs that were... Hustling, they they raised some money, they purchased a razor manufacturer, and this this is all from memory. I could be wrong, but uh, purchased a uh, small razor manufacturing business, and so you know instead of me competing with every other razor company in the world, how can we put a unique spin on this, make it our own, and uh, make our own e-commerce brand or a commerce company with a unique spin and the spin that they did was making it Dollar Shave Club. It's a dollar. Uh, you get, you know, it, it's a monthly subscription. Um, it's got that retention. And you're talking about lifetime value. Your lifetime value is much greater. And I'm, that's that's a company that's competing for a commodity. It's disposable. You know, you can go to any drugstore on the corner and, and buy uh, razors, uh, gas stations, you can sometimes buy razors at, right? Like everybody, like, it's not that hard to find. So how could you possibly compete with that and make a billion dollar company that doesn't exist yet? You know, when, when Gillette's been around for a hundred years, well, put a unique spin on it, add some interesting marketing, make a brand like Brent's saying. And, um, they took something from the SaaS playbook and made it around a subscription model. You know, not every business can do that. You can't sell a, you know, a $2,000 fish tank to somebody every month that would, you know, Put most people in the on the streets, right? You have to think about what can we sell in a monthly, or what kind of value can we brought, provide. Um, it could be like one of those boxes that you get a little uh, a box every month, and it's different stuff. And part of the value is that you don't know what you're going to get every month. You know, it's a it's a. Uh, if you're really into snowmobiling, you might get some, you know, new gloves every month. You might get some goggles, maybe a, a access to a VIP video of some professional snowmobile athletes that, you know, kind of show you some cool tricks that only you can see because you're on the subscription plan. Um, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. Take something out of the bulk Creek supply playbook and say you could make a VIP Facebook group that only your subscribers can go into. You know, it's a more gated community, right? So that's just another little tactical thing that um, I wanted to bring up that I've seen some of our clients do. And and achieve really good success with that. And you know, we haven't taken any clients to the billion dollar mark yet, but yet is the key word. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I suggested that we do fish of the month club. Uh, It didn't work so well in Arizona or in Minnesota (laughs) in January because they tend to freeze. Uh, but I'm joking. Uh, I'm completely joking right now about that. We didn't do fish (laughs) of the month club. yeah, no, that, that's that's perfect. And you know, I think looking back in in time, uh, in the physical world, um, you know, the record industry was really big into that, uh, where you they mm-hmm. send you uh, either was records and CDs, uh, and you would mm-hmm. either you keep the ones you wanted, and then the ones you don't want, you're supposed to send back. And how many people forgot to mm-hmm. send them back, and suddenly you've bought you know mm-hmm. three records a month for well now their records are twenty five dollars a piece, but. Uh, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that was a, that's a great model to, to make, to get people interested in a product. And especially if they're on a subscription where they have to send something back, uh, a lot of times they'll just keep it. Um, Mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, great. Thanks, Dick. This has been a, this has gone, this has been a great, uh, uh, time here. I appreciate the, your insight on, on these topics and, uh, um and especially for young entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs uh you know let's keep reminding them they should uh they should be seeking out um others like yourself I'll put it that way look for people that uh, that are like you uh because entrepreneurs are a different breed and um they don't mm-hmm. uh, always act the same way as everybody else in the world. (laughs) So finding a a peer group that you can meet with and learn from and talk to and ask questions is uh, in your local city is a great way to keep moving and keep learning uh, and keep doing.
1: And I'd like to make a little plug there for the organization you mentioned earlier of So that uh, entrepreneurs organization has an accelerator program that um, me and my company, online growth Systems, is actually part of, so we're in the accelerator. So it's for companies that are between, um, 250,000 in annual revenue and a million in avenue uh, in, in annual revenue. Once you hit that million dollar mark, you've, you're considered to be graduated. And then, you know, you start having conversations with other EL groups for, or forums is what they call it. And you start interviewing about joining their peer group. It's a very, very, and you know more about it than me because I haven't been to that process yet, but, um, very facilitated conversations because it's very intimate. It's very um, you know what's said there stays there kind of a thing. And it's hey what what am I dealing with in my business? At least here, here my experience in my accelerator is it's not just a peer group. It's a great way to learn a lot. They have four uh, they have four learning days a year. Um, one I've got coming up here in two days for the fourth quarter so super excited about that and every time i go to that i it's an all-day thing um four times a year and i get pages of notes like front and back single spacing small tag you know handwriting notes and i always try to i get so much information that i try to pick like two or three things that i'm going to implement otherwise it's going to fall through the cracks so um, whether you're listening to this podcast like pick one nugget Think about it, implement it in your business. Otherwise, you're going to be overwhelmed by voice and VR and AR and um, influencers and a subscription model. And should I do a Facebook group? And you're like, holy cow, Um, focus on one thing. What do you think is going to make the most impact the the fastest? What's going to either take work off your plate or it's going to add dollars in your bank account? pick that one thing, pursue it. That's what I like to do with the EOA thing. And even with our monthly accountability group, so our small peer group, I try to pick one thing because you know we've got six other people providing ideas, but what's the biggest nugget that I got out of that conversation that's going to make the biggest impact in my business? And then I actually take action on it. So just like how Brent was saying in the blogs, put a call to action so your customer buys. I'm telling here's the call to action at the end of the podcast is that Look into EOA if you're uh, between a quarter million and a million. If you're above a million, look into EOA, your local chapter. It's a global organization. Both of them are. Um, check them um, out. And uh, when you start doing that, take take one thing away. Don't try to take away the buffet because you're going to get food poisoning and you're not going to do any of it. Right? So <laughs> there you
0: go. Yeah, and you, you, <laughs> t- you took my thunder for, for the shameless plug, but I appreciate that. Uh, uh, and you know, small world. Andrew Dunman was the one of the partners at Bulk Reef Supply. I think eight years ago, mm-hmm. he invited me mm-hmm. to a learning day. And uh, you're right; it is it's such a fantastic event. Um, and I left there sold. Very cool. I, I there's so many things. They don't. It's not a bunch of theory. It's something you can leave and do. It's actionable things yeah. you can do. So uh, yeah. Um, so Dick Paul Pinnick Paul Paul Pinick Polipnik. Polipnik. See, I told you, You I I kill names. I apologize for that. Uh, Thank you today. It's been such a great conversation. And um, uh, I look forward to the next one.
1: Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Brent, for having me on. This was a blast.
0: Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce. New shows out every week.